Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com's live show here on a Monday night. The three of us here, as we are every week uh, at Mon- on Monday at 6 p.m., Anthony Broom, Chris Ballas, Clayton Safey. Uh, a lot to get to today. Clayton uh, made a little road trip on Sunday to Chicago to uh, check out QB1's camp. J.J. McCarthy had a youth camp uh, in the Chicago area, so we'll talk to uh, we'll have Clayton give us a dispatch from that. Uh, also, maybe hit on some of the uh, the latest on Michigan basketball's transfer portal efforts and, and what the heck is going on with this roster as we head into the late stages of May. And also, uh, we'll take your questions at the end. So a lot of good stuff uh, from the Fort, our premium message board that we will get to. Of course, on Monday nights, uh, we are brought to you by our friends over at RogueShop.com. Uh, remember to use the promo code Wolverine for 10% off. I want to take a few minutes here at the top to talk about our friends over at Rogue Shop. As you guys know, it's a husband and wife outfit led by our pals Richard and Charmaine, who are craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch, sustainable plant medicine. Uh, For those of you who don't know at this point, Richard is a disabled combat veteran, and his wife Charmaine is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. So if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, uh, anxiety, stress, we've been talking about it for months here on The Wolverine. Uh, they have a product for you. Um, you know, we've we've partaken in, uh, you know, some of the edibles, the pain creams. I have a hip thing going on right now. Uh, so pain cream has been helpful with that. Uh, Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pr- pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, soaps, and more. They grow all of their own cannabis in their own facility. All of their products are made with what they grow. So uh, the website has a 24-7 chat function where you guys can ask them anything you need. Everything is custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, and plant material. Uh, so head on over to rogueshop.com today. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Use promo code THEWOLVERINE for 10% off your order. All right, moving into the show now. Uh, this is where we're going to kind of give Clayton Safey the floor uh, right off the bat here. Clayton was at J.J. McCarthy's camp uh, on, uh, I believe it was Sunday afternoon, in Chicago, there were a ton of Michigan players there, uh, a lot of sights and sounds to take in. Uh, so, Clayton, I guess uh, your biggest takeaway from from that event and you know what you may have learned from uh, some of the guys after catching up with them yesterday. And first things first, what was he? How was his hair? His hair, uh, I didn't didn't look that closely, uh, to be quite honest. But uh, no, it was good. It was cool. Um, they had first through fourth graders in the morning, and then middle school kids later on in the afternoon. And as you said, Anthony, it wasn't just JJ, but thirty one Michigan players, uh, including walk ons, some starters. Uh, we got to talk to several of them. Uh, but JJ was super engaged. He gave a speech after each session. Uh, his dad was kind of the MC. Uh, organizing the whole thing and then they had various coaches throughout as well that were uh, that were helping uh, along with those Michigan players but I think the coolest thing about this is that JJ one those guys are willing to do it but two part of that is that uh, JJ you know this was an NIL uh, type of you know activity 
Uh, but, you know, he's sharing, you know, spreading the wealth here as well with his teammates. So in the second straight year that JJ is doing that, uh, one of the questions I asked a lot of the players we got to talk to is, does this feel you know, a little bit more like JJ's team this year? You know, last year it was kind of split. You know, you're waiting on what that quarterback battle was going to look like. And, and they said, absolutely. Uh, Jaden Denegal said that as well, that, you know, he's one of those guys that's really rallying the troops this offseason. So uh, and you could certainly see that there, just how much they all like him. Uh, even the veterans, guys like Jalen Harrell, uh, you know, were there supporting as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some interesting conversations there, talking to some of the parents as well, uh, offensive linemen. You know, you, you kind of get a feel for where this team culture is at, too, where uh, they had all sorts of, you know, you know, guys that are there interacting with each other, having fun with the with the kids. Um so yeah, it was a uh, it was a good day, and that video there that the people on YouTube can see is uh, they had them doing the "It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine" chant uh, that they sing after victories. Uh, so they're starting them early. There seems to be quite the maize and blue contingent out in Chicago. Part of that's JJ and all the reach that he has over there, but also part of it is the uh, the great alumni base they have. He's a rock star, isn't he? When he's around those things, people are just trying to get pictures and autographs. I was there last year. And he signs, he signs every single one of them. You yeah. know, he stayed forever. Yeah, he's yeah. genuine, just a genuinely good kid. He was burned out last year. Uh, you know, I mean, not burned out. I shouldn't say it that way. But, he, you know, the, the demands on his time before he even became the Michigan starting quarterback were unbelievable. I can only imagine what it's like now. Yeah, and of course, uh, part of the reason Michigan has such a reach in the Chicago area is because uh, Illinois and Northwestern have largely, uh, no, I won't take shots at them, but uh, obviously a very large alumni base. I know there's a ton of Michigan bars in Chicago, a lot of transplants, but uh, yeah, I mean, J.J. McCarthy is, I feel like, you know, this whole offseason, anytime he comes up, we're going to kind of bring up the fact that, you know, we talk about the arm strength, we talk about the talent, the, the poise, the command he has of the huddle, but uh, I think it was very apparent with him, you know, even, I mean, going back to just coming out of the COVID days where we're still doing press conferences, you know, outside, uh, you know, he did a press conference during a bye week when, you know, Cade McNamara firmly entrenched as a starter. And I think both him and Donovan Edwards did one on the same night. And, you know, it was just so apparent that he is, uh, you know, I'll never say wise beyond your years because they're, you know, you just never know what a young guy's going through, but, uh, he's cool. He's calm. He's collected. He's very, um, he's very deliberate and very, um, I would say sincere in his mm -hmm. actions. I know he's just so, you know, it seems like he's just like this well-polished machine and that it's, that it is a machine that it's just maybe a facade, but you know, everything that we know about JJ McCarthy, both the quarterback and the person on and off the field, he is, uh, um, he's just cut from a different cloth and, and he's, he's a, he's a good dude. Good young man, uh, very good quarterback that we'll see uh, see about being great. But uh, I don't know. What were some other things that you gleaned from that? I know you talked to a few players, Clayton, and we don't want to take away clicks from the website, but uh, I guess any notable news and notes from the event that you picked up? Well, yeah, I was dancing around some of that a little bit. We'll have it up uh, behind the paywall over at thewolverine.com so people can join up 30 bucks for six months. Um but speaking of Northwestern, you brought them up. A.J. Henning, who's transferring to Northwestern, was there. He committed, you know, he's, he's from, uh, you know, the Chicago area. But he committed to, to attend this event uh, before he transferred. And, you know, he, he kept his commitment. And he was interacting with his Michigan teammates, joking around, you know, as if he was still on the team, wearing the Big Ten Champs shirt. Um, you know, and, and that's what it was. You know, it was called the Big Ten Champs Camp, uh, I believe. So, you know, they were kind of celebrating that back in Chicago with a lot of guys, not just J.J. and, and A.J. Henning, but Tyler Morris, as we saw in one of those photos, Brooks Barr, incoming freshman, Trey Pierce, another incoming freshman from the area, uh, and, and some others from that area. So I thought that was cool that A.J. Uh, was there. Um, one of the things that, you know, I was talking to Rod Moore, and he was like, yeah, uh, he was talking about J.J., and he's like, yeah, me and him are going to have the same jersey number this year. So he will be sporting the single-digit uh, number nine, as opposed to 19. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. And he said he wants to sport a single digit for potentially his final season at Michigan. He could go after his junior year here, but I expect him to have a really big year and uh, thought that was interesting. He said he tr he's trying not to see too much of the NFL draft stuff or or some of the hype. You know, he I think he checked in as a top 100 player in the country, according to On3's wow. rankings. Um, but, 
he said he sees it and uh but but also he's chasing the guys that are ahead of him as well um but that kid's just got talk about a guy with his head on straight as well uh you know love talking to rod Moore. he's the best Uh, he's one of my favorite players uh to cover just the way he plays the game uh one of the best uh, safeties in terms of putting in the film work and everything else and uh just a great kid so and and three words that i would use to describe uh, jj mccarthy down to earth there's nothing fake about that kid and uh but this is a great camp and i love aj henning too i wish him all the best remember talking to him last year hope he does really well at northwestern yeah, and something interesting about the Rod Moore jersey number change is that now you have two number nines that I think you can argue. I think you could make the argument those might be the the two most prepared and, and maybe I guess poised. If we're just going to keep using the p words here, uh, maybe the, the 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 two guys that fit that bill the most on their respective sides of the ball. I mean, I don't know that it gets talked about enough just how good Rod Moore has been over these first couple of years in a Michigan uniform. I mean, he is you know they're able to on the i everyone has an iPad. And they're, the coaches are able to log who's put what amount of hours in on the film and, and checking out game planning stuff. And from our from what we understand, I mean, he's always number one with a bullet in terms of time logged and, and the amount of views he has on game plan stuff and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you give him whatever number he wants. I think that uh, I think you can make the case that's a guy that could be one of your team captains this year um, on a team that has a lot of guys that fit the bill. I wouldn't be surprised if they had, you know, six or seven team captains this year, and we know they always have alternate captains mm-hmm. and things like that, but uh, so much of what they've been able to do over these last two seasons has been based on player leadership and those guys kind of driving the bus. And this group that they have coming in this year, I think is is at least as good as these last two and, and probably given all the experience, maybe just a little bit better from a player-led team perspective. Yep. And uh, you know what? I was going to Craig, Chris Jenkins will be a captain in my opinion. I don't think there's any question about it. And then Mike Samer still. So you're going to need to have three captains if Rod Moore, Rod Moore's just going to have to come back for a senior year to be a captain. That's all there is (laughs) to it. It's the way I look at it. But like you said, so many candidates and we write this for our football preview article. I, I write the season preview and I'm going down the list of guys who could be a captain on this team. If you look, there are, there are legit 12, 13, 14 guys, you know, and uh, it's crazy. And then when you're writing a list of best players and you get to number five and, you know, pro- potential All-Americans aren't on there, you know, it's it's unbelievable. So this program certainly is in a good place. Yeah, the leadership. I mean, just the fact that I was talking to Jaden Denegal about this as well. Uh, I mentioned we were talking about JJ and I said, you know, Sharon said he's always in the building and he's kind of that guy that's, uh, you know, everyone has everyone rowing in the in the right direction. He said it's not just JJ. Everybody's there all the time. It's jam packed and everyone loves being there. And he said, everybody's early to everything too. Um, and it's just, just amazing. You know, you hear other things just about the culture and how things have changed, but also have been sustained over the last few years. I mean, now you're going on three straight years uh, of this, but I would like to see it stay at four or five captains. Uh, I remember that 2020 year when they had what, seven or eight. Yeah. Um, you know, at some point you got to pare it down and then other, it doesn't mean you can't lead, um, you know, if, if you're not a captain as well, but you kind of have to, you know, pick those guys. I think it was five last year. Uh, and, and, and guess what? Two of them, you know, were injured and ended up transferring before the season even ended, but you had plenty of leaders on that team. So they're going to have plenty here as well. But Chris Jenkins, I mean, I, you could make a case for a Mike Barrett as well, coming back in his sixth season. Um, you know, there are other guys. You look at the offense. I mean, multiple offensive linemen. Blake Corum has to be a captain. J.J. obviously could be if they go the junior route. Just depends on who these guys vote for, but they are in really good hands there. And it's not just that there are a bunch of different leaders. It's They also seem to be in lockstep with each other, which is really, really important. Yeah, and our producer, Megan, uh, a Nebraska fan, I was just thinking, man, um, you know, how different how different this program is compared to, like, I was thinking back to when, you know, they were kind of like Nebraska, still looking for their, their identity and, you know, replacing coaches and stuff like that with all due respect, Megan. But um, uh, as long as I say with all, I, with all due respect, I can say whatever I want. Right. Isn't how it works. <laughs> yeah, so, but, right. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, uh, how far this, this program has come in just two years. And I was talking to Sharon Moore about it uh, for the football preview and an exclusive interview. You guys can read in the, in the Wolverine football preview where he's like, it was really the players. They had a players-only meeting, and they told these guys that didn't want to be here, didn't want to put in the work, or the guys that had been malcontents, if this isn't the place for you, then you need to go. 
And if you do want to stick around, then you damn well be better be prepared to work. So, uh, but where they were in 2020 to where they are now, I never would have predicted that, but here they are. So kudos to them, kudos to the players and a special group of kids. Uh, to close out, I mean, not close out football talk. We'll have some questions a little bit later on, but I want to ask you guys a question that uh, we discussed last week when Isaiah Hole was on the show. A shout out Isaiah for stepping in. Um, you know, heading into, because as far as I'm concerned, this weekend is the official, unofficial. It's the unofficially the official, whatever that means. I'm just vomiting words here. A uh, <laughs> kickoff of summer. Uh, spring football's been in the rearview mirror for almost two months now. Um, so I asked the two of you, this is what, you know, now that the dust has settled on spring football, the transfer portal window is calmed down. Um, everyone's kind of, uh, you know, classes are over, I believe. So everyone's kind of gone their separate ways here for the next couple of weeks or whatever it is. What do you guys see as the biggest storyline with this program right now, as we head into, you know, the dog days of the off season here? For me, it is, you know, can they finally get over the hump and win a, a playoff game? And I understand everybody's talking about national championships, but, you know, you got to you got to win that first game to get to the second game and win a national championship. So um, it, and we're certainly not taking for granted that they're going to beat Ohio State at home. But how are they going to react as the favorite? Because a lot of people have them as a favorite. Still, a lot of people have Ohio State as the favorite and, you know, which is fine. But I think Michigan going into this season, playing Ohio State at home. Uh, I think they have really, I think they're the best team in the big 10 and how are they going to handle that? Uh, and from what Sharon told me, I don't want to give everything away, but he said it, they're hungrier than they've ever been. And you can sense it in the building. You can sense it the spring that they are not satisfied with beating Ohio state twice and winning the big 10. So it's almost like they've reversed roles here with Ohio state where Ohio state's trying to get that Michigan monkey off. It's back now, granted it's been two years, and, you know, they're kind of taking it for granted. There's Mr. Ryan Day, so Mr. Rosy Cheeks. But, uh, and, uh, you know, they're trying to get the Michigan monkey off their back, and Michigan's thinking, okay, we want to win the national championship, and that's what they're talking about. And, of course, they understand that they have to go through Ohio State still to, to do that, and there are going to be other tough games on the schedule. Got to go to Penn State. But uh, that's another thing that I noticed, too, in putting, you know, the top five most anticipated games. Fellas, uh, this is not a gauntlet of a schedule, and I understand that it'll be tough to go to Nebraska at night probably or Minnesota and, you know, back-to-back. -back and, you don't. there are going to be games where they might slip up or something like that, but they're going to be heavily favored in those games. They're going to be heavily favored in every game but two this year. Michigan State is down. They don't have any skill position players. When Michigan State gives Michigan trouble is when they have a couple playmakers. I don't see that being a game in East Lansing. I just really don't. So – uh, manageable schedule. It's going to come down to that game in November. Don't want to fast forward. You, you know what? Don't take these games and don't take these years for granted, kids, because they're, for 17 years, Michigan was in, in the abyss. They weren't winning championships. And, you know, when, when I was growing up, they were in contention all the time every year. They were winning one, it seemed like, every other year, if not more. So uh, this is a special time in Michigan football. And, and with NIL and everything else, you never know when you're going to get back, fellas. Yeah, to me, it's it's the same. I mean, it's taking that next step. Now, I did ask Rod Moore. I said, you know, being an Ohio guy, there's no way you're going to let these guys, you know, not think about Ohio State every single day. And he said, yeah, absolutely no way. But they do have their sights set on getting to that national championship game. And when I talked to Ben Herbert, he said he wrote up on the whiteboard, first thing, first day in January, we're a 13-1 football team. There's only two options, to be 14-1 or 15-0 next season. Um, and that's kind of the approach that these guys talked about. I mean, I was talking to Jalen Harrell and, you know, he said that, you know, their focus as a, as an edge room is to, you know, he said that defense, the defense lost the game against TCU last year. They can't let that happen again if, and when they get back to that moment. So it's those finer details that they're trying to shore up. Um, you know, but I will remind people as well that chasing that third straight big 10 championship would be an absolute success if you're able to achieve it. Um, you know, it, you want to, I'm not, you know, it's not like none of it matters after that, but, and you absolutely want to win the first national championship since 1997 for this program, but winning another big 10 championship would make it uh, a still a historic stretch that they've had over the last three seasons. And really you wouldn't see a, a total end in sight, uh, barring something uh, crazy happening after this season. So uh, it's getting that three peat and then going from there uh, and taking that next step. And when you look around the country, and we've talked about it throughout the offseason, there are question marks at a bunch of major programs throughout, including Georgia, 
which lost a lot. You know, you look at the Big Ten, I think only two out of the 14 teams returned their starting quarterback. So there's a window here. There's an opening for Michigan, which uh, brings back a ton to seize this opportunity. Yeah, and, and oftentimes people are asked, you know, they'll ask, well, and this is the discussion we had last week was, you know, when you've been as successful as they have been the last couple of, couple of seasons, you know, it, it's is it more tough to manufacture, you know, the same drive, the same motivation? And, and I say, no, it's not, because when you're striving for, for uh, you're striving for perfection, and if not perfection, being the last team standing on that podium on that last Monday night of the season, uh, and you don't get there, that's, you know, that's, that's always a motivating factor. And there's always ways to push it forward to be better. And, you know, the nice thing about having these guys, you know, all back for another season, uh, you know, the contributors that have been here is that you don't have to really sit back and, and do as much training on the basics. You can hone in on the finer details. You can hone in on leveling your games up. Um, you know, just, I, I think even just improving by, on the margins is where this team is going to give itself a chance to kind of repeat what it's done the last few years. So uh, we will put a pin in football talk for now. Uh, we will get to some of it when we take questions here uh, down the stretch here of our show, but I wanted to move into basketball a little bit. Chris, you had an article you put out again behind the paywall uh, on Monday morning. So suggest you check that out. But um, you know, in terms of this roster, we're sitting here and I know for much of the year, even in, even dating back to, after the NIT, when we're asking what, when are we going to have some resolution on what this team looks like next year? Uh, a, a lot of us would say, you know, last year it wasn't really settled until early June or so. Uh, and we're, we appear to be heading that way again. You know, they have three scholarship spots open. It's May 22nd here and Memorial day weekend is, is coming up in just a few days. And still there are so many questions about who's coming and, and who might come and what sort of, you know, what sort of areas you might still need to improve in. Uh, I know Olivia, uh, Olivier Kamwa is still out there. There's been some talk about Ray J Dennis, although that doesn't seem to be trending in the right direction. So Chris, I mean, without spilling the state secrets here, where do you think things are at with this program right now? Yeah. Publicly Kamwa has said that he's going to West Virginia from May 28th to 30th. So Michigan, um, you know, at one point really thought they had him if he wasn't going to go to the NBA, um, you know, they thought overseas might be an option for him and it still might be, but it's clear, you know what, these guys want to, these guys want to start making money in their profession. Right. And there's that ability now in college. So Michigan really needs to step up. It's NIL game. I'm, I sound like a broken record and people can sit there and say, Oh, it's not a big deal. And if, you know, there were boosters out there that cared about basketball, I'd be taken care of. Well, there are boosters out there that we've spoken with that, still don't know really what to do with their money. Right. And like, am I giving it to the athletic department? Am I giving it for NIL? So there's still not that coordination, I guess you would call it where they understand exactly what they need to do. So that's an issue. And I feel bad for the coaching staff. Uh, and again, talking to Phil Martelli a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know what, we're not making any apologies. He said, we are a, a team, a program that's won as almost as many uh, NCAA tournament games in the last decade as anybody and this is a destination program. However, uh, you've got to act like it in all facets, right? Uh, you look at Kansas, they knew what they wanted. I told you guys the second that Kansas was involved and they said, you know, they aren't going to be outbid for, for Hunter Dickinson that I thought that's where he was going to go. I also told everybody that, you know what, it is not a done deal on the transfer portal until they are announced and guys are jump through all the hoops that they need to, to get here. Caleb Love it was a long shot and we tried to hint to that and we, we said it as much as we could, uh, but it just wasn't likely. And so you've got to concentrate your efforts on others as well. while you know, exploring that the Caleb loves and things like that. So uh, frankly, they've got a lot of work to do. And there are some guys that they're in on that we aren't aware of yet. I can promise you that uh, kind of like Yusef Kayat last year when, you know, it's like, okay, we heard buzz, but where's Jawan? He was in France. Why is he in France? And you put the pieces together, but there's still, you know, this roster isn't complete yet, uh, but I can't really honestly say that I expect Kamwa or Ray J Dennis to be here. And if those guys don't come, man, I don't know where you go and what this team looks like next year. Yeah. With Olivier Kamwa, it always concerned me the whole time that you can still pursue your professional, uh, you know, career and go through the NBA draft process while still being committed to a program. And we saw it with Devonte Jones a couple of years ago, he didn't have the overseas options 
or maybe desire that Olivier Kamwa had, but he was committed to Michigan well going through the draft process. And once that didn't work out, then well, Michigan was his destination. So it was kind of a limbo there. Um, West Virginia. I mean, it just kind of would sting to lose one there. And Michigan was in on, uh, you know, a kid earlier on in this portal cycle uh, that ended up at West Virginia. And West Virginia is doing a good job, it seems like, with basketball NIL. I do find it interesting when you kind of look at the landscape right now where, you know, John Beeline, way back when, when he wanted to take that next step from West Virginia to a bigger school, uh, to, you know, one with more pedigree like Michigan, uh, he's talked about this numerous times that he wanted to go to a place where football uh, was maybe not king, but was really successful and would bring in a lot of money because that would benefit everybody else. Um, and it does that. And we saw Michigan have success, uh, you know, several years. I know, you know, the timelines were a little bit different there where Michigan football was struggling while the basketball team was kind of saving, uh, you know, Michigan fans lives there for a few years. But you can have success at the same time. We saw that when Jim Harbaugh, John Beeline overlapped, some of the Jawan Howard era as well. But now with NIL, I mean, look at the teams that were recruiting Hunter Dickinson the hardest. They were all basketball first type of schools. You know, West Virginia is probably more of a football first type of school. But it seems like they have something going right now with the NIL, uh, you know, space over there. So it's going to be tough, I think, for football and basketball if your NIL is not really, really good. Uh, to succeed at the same time in trying to get some of these guys. Um, so that's something that's really interesting that I think is going on right now. But uh, it scares you a little bit when you see what, what West Virginia has been doing, that he's going there, uh, the fact that he is looking around, and the fact that, yeah, Michigan was maybe the leader for a while. But once he has his options, once he's kind of reopening his options in college, he's taking a look around. So that's going to be tough. And you're right, you know, probably add a couple guys that we haven't heard much about, and they may be plan, you know, ease. Um, you know, because we know that, you know, some of their plan A's, B's and C's and, and all that have gone elsewhere, but they've got to find a way to fill these scholarship spots with guys that can compete and be in the rotation so that this team can be, you know, competitive this coming season. I would agree with all that. And, and the thing about the NIL is that, you know, it took, I mean, there's just been, so it, it's been like pulling teeth with football to a certain extent. So for me to sit here and think that, um, sudden there's going to be magic where things just start to click with basketball, especially coming off the season that they just had, especially, I mean, let's be honest here too. There's not as much confidence in the leadership right now. that There was even this time last year. I mean, a lot of people could have just talk, uh, chalked up last year's season as, you know, they were young, didn't quite have the right mix of guys, but you know, it's kind of two years in a row where you've fallen short of expectations and, you know, Michigan already kind of inherently having NIL issues built in coupled with the fact that, um, you know, I think that there, it just feels like things are kind of in a holding pattern there right now. Um, so I don't know, um, uh, I don't know where it goes from here, but we'll see. I mean, it's one thing's for sure. Whatever it looks like next season, it won't be boring. Um, it, I don't, it could be, I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. want all <laughs> options are on the table, but, yeah. um, I don't know. What do you think, fellas? Time to move into questions. Let's do it. Let's see what the, let's okay. see what the fan base has to say today. Well, uh, I had the tab open and I closed it. So, Clayton, do you happen to have it open here? Uh, yeah, I have it. I have it here. Okay. Um, I think we should probably start with this one because it's just kind of the elephant in the room. And I don't even want to, I don't even think it's necessary to have like a full fledged discussion about it because it's just so, I mean, the issue is just so like blatant. Uh, Sasquatch 616 asks, do you think there's going to be actual any ac actual lasting fallout from the Shemi Shembeckler hiring and subsequent resignation? For those of you who aren't in the know at this point, um, Michigan hired uh, the son of Bo Shembeckler last week to, well, it had happened earlier in the off season, but officially announced last week that he would be joining the recruiting department uh, as an assistant on that staff. Social media activity was uh, discovered. And to be frank with you, uh, it had kind of been known on the down low the last couple of years. I was surprised that it didn't come up sooner, but uh, some really questionable stuff on there. Um, he is no longer with the program. It took, it took two days, three days, whatever it was uh, for him to resign. And uh, Michigan athletic director Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh put out a statement on Saturday night. Um, yeah, Chris, I'll just, I'll give you the floor on this one. You were kind of at the forefront of it first and, uh, if we want to go around the room and talk about it, we can, but I don't know that it's worth a, you know, it's, it's just so 
the stuff that was said, and it's not alleged, it was all right there. Whatever you post online is public record, and people know or how like. to find it. Uh, yeah, so, alike. Like, so. yeah, whatever you like, uh, yeah, is out there forever. But that's not the story. It's not like, oh, you need to be careful on social media. It's kind of an ind ind indication of your your belief system. And uh, you know what? In in this case, it was abhorrent in some cases. So I think the fallout is, number one, Shemi Schembechler cost himself a really nice job. Um, and then number two, the vetting process at Michigan to not have noticed that before he was hired. They're going to have to revisit that because, you know, I think I read a stat somewhere that said like 54% of companies have dropped candidates based on what they saw on their social media accounts. So I'm not saying somebody should be fired over that, but I am saying this: they need to, to educate some people on doing background checks on potential employees. But that's basically where it stands. And it's amazing that people are now, you know, writing columns about it and how it means that the program is falling apart and everything else. And, uh, yeah, uh, cling to whatever you got, folks, because uh, I don't think that's going to do it. Yeah, Michigan State graduates writing things like that. So that kind of is what it is. The vetting process to me, you know, I would guess that Michigan does look through that on a typical hire. But, you know, maybe Jim Harbaugh and even Ward Manuel as well. But especially Jim, who's known him for over 40 years, was like, OK, this is a no brainer. He's, you know, he just got let go by the Raiders. Uh, here we go. Um, that would be my guess uh, as of what happened, because. You know, otherwise, the vetting process in a typical hire and one in, you know, like this needs to be revisited. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I, we can't sit here and go tweet by tweet with with him and hear him out. You know, so that's that's kind of a, an unknown. And I know he released a uh, apology today. But just the fact that anyone in the public eye, especially somebody that's going to, you know, working in in football and sports, you know, potentially at a university uh, can't resist doing that. Um, you know, liking things like that. You know, we don't like political tweets, uh, you know, and things like that. Uh, and many others that, that are kind of, you know, not to say that we're in the public eye, but, you know, it's it's forward facing. I would do that uh, is a little bit uh, questionable there. So I think the vetting process had to be better. Uh, and then clearly, you know, there was an issue there with with being able to resist. Yeah, I guess the, the only other thing I would say on it is that, uh, you know, your name or, or what your name, whatever your name's link to the past might be, I don't think entitles you to, you know, step or to stepping past the process of, of being vetted, of being, you know, everything being thoroughly researched. And again, um, you know, you just can't, it's really, to, it's really difficult for me to put into words. Um, you know, you just can't, the beliefs, the beliefs that were shared, because uh, we'll just address those for what they were. Uh, there were a number of tweets suggesting that Jim Low, uh, Jim Low, I can't talk today. Jim Crow laws uh, had a positive effect on the black community. That's egregious. I mean, there's no, there's no explanation for stuff like that. And there are hundreds of things when, when people went back and looked at all that stuff that they found. And again, it's just right there. It's a tab on social media and. You know, when we're when we're hired and when we're vetted for positions or when we've been vetted for stuff, you know, all of our stuff is looked at, um, you know, the beliefs on their own are abhorrent and egregious. But, uh, you know, to have that it is to not have that vetted is frustrating. And it's it's another you just go back to the, the laundry list of things uh, with just kind of these self-inflicted PR hits that Michigan has allowed itself to to uh to occur the last couple of years especially as it pertains to you know the higher up leadership um it's just frustrating um it's a good thing that he's no longer working for the program uh the recruiting department has a lot of young and hungry people in it and i'm sure there are there are plenty of qualified people to fill that position and to fill that job that you know maybe don't have the same last name of someone that was you know a, a legend in the program but uh yeah, that's, I think we can kind of just leave that where it is. Um, lasting fall, I don't know. Uh, you just need to vet people better. And whether they're buddies, whether they're connections, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Everyone kind of deserves that same treatment because now you're in the news for something you really shouldn't have put yourself in the news for. So uh, let's move on to another one here. Uh, what This is from MD Wolverine. He says, what percentage of plays will Corman Edwards be on the field at the same time? Uh, think with Donovan Edwards' skill set, 
He can line up in the slot and both in the backfield and can be very dangerous. Uh, tough to put a percentage on that, but what do you guys think? Uh, again, and speaking to Sharon Moore, he said they understand completely that those guys have got to get their touches and they got to get Donovan his touches, even if he's on the field at the same time with Blake Corum. It would be malpractice, right, if you've got a talent like that. He flat out called him. He said one of the best athletes in the country, if not the best athlete in the country. And he said, so to me, they are scheming ways to get these guys the ball. Going to be on the field together at the same time. Asked him that question in the spring, too. And he said, you know, I'm not going to give away our secrets. But when Mike Hart says that this kid could be one of the best slot receivers in the country, then, you know what, by all means, uh, you know, I understand that there are receivers on this team, but when you've got somebody that can catch the ball like that and who's so dangerous with the ball in his hands, you get him the ball unless he holds it like that, like Alti Taylor. He does Detroit that Lions. too. He does that. Yeah, my dad would say Alti Taylor from the Detroit Lions. I don't remember seeing Alti Taylor play, but it must have been in the 50s or 60s. So regardless, uh, he is an elite talent, another great kid. You're going to see them – uh, both, I think you're going to see a lot more of it. Let's put it that way. I'd be stunned, frankly, if you didn't. What's your percent, though? I don't do percentages, Clay, as you know. So Man. just fractions and stuff. No fun. Fractions. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's impossible to know. Let's. I, what was the percentage well, last year? You know, yeah. Whatever it is, whatever it is, double it and add nine. Well, yeah. I don't know the. You know, I mean, I don't think we know. I don't think anyone knows. Um, but if I were to guess in, in last year, isn't necessarily a great indication because, you know, Donovan was hurt early in the year. Then, uh, then Donovan gets hurt late in the year. Then Blake gets hurt late in the year. Then Donovan plays with one arm. So, you know, they were kind of, they weren't able to really use them together as much, uh, due to the health of those two guys last season, probably, you know, they wanted to work that in more. I thought the Iowa game was probably the best example of them to kind of having their roles at full health. And we saw them both have you know, massive impact uh, in that big road win. So um, I'm going to say they're going to be on the field together at the same time, about 25% of snaps, which uh, like part of me thinks that's a little high. Part of me think that's, thinks that's a little low, um, but I, I'm going to see that. And I think Donovan Edwards will have a bigger role than he did last season as well. Uh, and, and you'll see, you know, Blake will come out, Donovan will come on, you know, to say that it's going to be 75% of snaps or something like that, I think would be, uh, you know, pretty high. So I, I'm going to go with something like 25, 30%. It's hard for me to put a percentage on it. I mean, I mean, just to be different, I guess I'll say 20%. Um, I think when you just look at both guys from a touches perspective, uh, I don't think there's any reason you can't combine them for what, 30, 35 per game between rushes and receptions and things like that. And people forget this too. I mean, Blake Coram's not, you know, not a slouch as a, a receiver out of the backfield either. He hasn't done it a ton and he's kind of turned into more of your bell cow and your, your short yardage type of guy when he's healthy, but you know, he has the ability to do that too. So whatever combination can get those guys, you know, the touches they need to make their biggest impact. I don't know. It's just tough to put a percentage on it because game flow changes game to game. Um, game plans are different. So we'll see, but I do expect that to happen. I, I would go as far as to say, uh, it would be egregious if it didn't happen uh, because those are, you know, two of your best, um, you know, maybe your two best skilled players, period. So you got to have that explosion and that versatility on the field. And two of the best uh, playmakers in the country, frankly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's no question about that. If, if uh, you know, Blake Corum doesn't get hurt, you're probably looking at a guy that rushes for 1,700 yards last year. Uh, if Donovan Edwards wasn't hurt for a bit, Michigan would have had two 1,000 yard rushers. He missed that mark by nine yards. So, you know, just you, you cross your fingers for good health because I think that's going to give um, it's going to give Michigan some options in terms of what this backfield rotation looks like. And it's going to make, you know, it's going to maximize the potential of what they can be. So, a uh, good question from MD Wolverine. Let's move to uh, West Coast Wolverine uh, in the ever evolving topic of conference expansion which i know um i got a couple old school guys quite frankly three old school guys here tonight but uh conference expansion is a thing uh we've already got the big 10 going over state lines and bringing in you know usc and ucla for next year but knowing that that is a thing fellas uh west coast wolverine wants to know what teams do you want to see the big 10 bring into the fold and let's just assume that they go to 16 so uh we'll add two more to the mix here 
I think it would be, uh, I think we're talking Washington and Oregon, if I'm not mistaken, um, I've seen. So I'd love to bring Notre Dame in just so they could be like a 500 team, you know. And uh, <laughs> uh, you remember when Penn State was supposed to come in here and win the conference every year because the Big Ten was a joke? Well, guess what? That didn't happen. So I think it would be the same for Notre Dame, and I think they know it. And frankly, I think that's probably a big part of the reason why they haven't joined the Big Ten. That's just me talking. That's not the opinions of anybody else on this panel necessarily or our producer. However, uh, I strongly believe that. So, um, But I do think it'll be two more West Coast teams. And I uh, can't wait to get out to Washington at some point for a game out there. Uh, you know, I, I'm a traditionalist. You know, I like the days of the old Big Ten when it was, you know, the, 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 the original Big Ten and, uh, you keep it regional university but, of Chicago and, you know, exactly. Yeah. Things like that, you know, and when you're playing um, some of these schools that nobody's ever heard of in the non-conference that, that don't exist anymore, but uh, yeah. So, but I think it'll be, it'll be two more West coast teams and you know what you deal with. It. Yeah. I agree that those will be probably the next two teams, but to answer this question on who I want uh, and everyone's always like, Oh yeah, bring in, Notre Dame, or I'd love to see, you know, if this team or that team, like, I don't necessarily, if you're Michigan, if you're one of these other teams, you know, maybe less so Michigan or Ohio state, like, do you want the best teams possible to come in? I, I don't. Um, so I'm that's, why, go that's why I wanted Notre Dame. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I feel you. And we're going to get some hate mail on that one. Maybe, you know, I would remind everyone, all Michigan fans to give this a thumbs up, but we might get a couple thumbs down from the Notre Dame fans that are watching, but we're just um, having fun. They're I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Virginia and Pitt. I think they kind of make sense there um, out of the ACC. And then when you see kind of what's going on with the ACC, that it feels like every other week there's a report that they're just going to no longer exist in two weeks or, or something. Uh, you know, then it feels like those teams are, are up for grabs. I think it'll be a West Coast team, but I'd rather see uh, teams like that. Pitt, that makes sense. Get that rivalry going with, with Penn State. And then Virginia fits in academically. Virginia fits in uh, football, basketball a bunch of other sports. So uh, I feel like they would, they would be better fits. Hawaii, of course, too, for the road trip. There you have it. That'd be nice. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I know, uh, I know traditionally they've capped official visits for guys like that amounts you can take, but I've never understood why, if you're a prospect that gets five official visits, why you wouldn't use one on the university of Hawaii. Like it just <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. I think they um, got, did they just do away with the limit there? With I think five? they I did. Think, yeah. So maybe Hawaii's future powerhouse. Yeah. Hawaii <laughs> hosting five-star quarterback will be yeah. like the next headline. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think for me, uh, Washington would definitely be on my list uh, from there. I, I, you know, the way that these conferences are expanding or looking to expand, it's almost, you look like the, you look at the map of the United States and you start looking at it like the game of risk. So, you know, you get Washington, you get that foothold up in the Pacific Northwest. You also give, UCLA and USC kind of a West coast, uh, you know, someone else to kind of uh, be locked into a pod with. Cause I assume we are probably going to pods at some point. Just don't mm -hmm. know how tenable the division situation is. Um, I'd go, I'd stay in the ACC and go with North Carolina. Cause then you're kind of, you're kind of starting to knock on the door in ACC territory there. Uh, you know, when the big 10 does expand um, you know, there's the, uh, you know, the, the research institutions that they kind of tend to favor, when they have those discussions, uh, North Carolina fits that bill uh, competitive enough football program uh, to where they might not be a threat, uh, you know, to, to go to Clayton's point there might not be the biggest threat to, you know, run the table in your conference. And then obviously basketball powerhouse. I think that's where they probably uh, bring the most value, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, new TV deal for the big 10. Everyone's payout is looks like everyone's going to get about a hundred million dollars a year uh, with the 14 member schools they already have. Thing is, at this point, now that you have this TV deal worked out, that if you expand even more than that, everyone's payout gets a little bit less. And I don't know that there's an appetite for that. Uh, obviously, the Big Ten has some new leadership there as well uh, with Kevin Warren. I'll call it a downgrade, going to run the Chicago Bears now. I don't know. but um, Well, when yeah. you hear that he wants to, he eventually wants to be the NFL commissioner, I think at some point he probably had to make that jump. Yeah. Now he's landed a huge TV deal. I think we could see that. And as an NFL fan, there's also a Big Ten fan. I would not like to see Kevin Warren in that position. Well, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you bringing that up and being here with us tonight. Uh, that's how <laughs> that's how he starts every one of. Oh God, 
Uh, I won't miss those press conferences. I'll put it that no, way. to give us. So give us two minutes on, you know, what a great question it is. How's your family? And then 10 seconds of that was a great question and didn't answer the question. So right. poor, never... poor John Borton's going to be mad that we don't get truckloads of, uh, of, you know, old trader beef jerky or whatever it is. Yeah, so. exactly. Those, those bags are expensive too. Like $20, but, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. John will walk out with a duffel bag of them next year. That was the gift, day. folks. That was the gift, one of the gifts at the uh, at Media Day last year. So, yeah, yeah, sorry, no one knows what the hell you're talking beef about. Beef jerky. That's a little that... inside baseball uh, for yes. the folks at home. But uh, let's go to one from uh, Low Blow on our board. He says, <laughs> Should Michigan run the table for the Natty? What are the chances that they lose both coordinators? Uh, Sharon Moore is a head coach to other Power Five, Jesse Minter to the NFL, et cetera. Sharon Moore could have gone last year to a team, uh, frankly, and he can be choosy. So I think it's only a matter of time with him. Uh, and I think someday down the road, you know, as much as I think he really likes this place, loves this place, he could be a candidate to be a Michigan head coach. So if he goes out there and picks the right spot and, you know, some of the, the guys in the past have done it wrong. Ron English started his career at Eastern Michigan, you know, and was basically destined to fail. Sharon Moore is uh, one of the best young coaches in the game and a just a downright outstanding human being and coach. So um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And then uh, with Jesse Minter, it's clear that NFL teams have noticed him, kind of like Mike McDonald. So, but you know what? That's part of the deal. And if he were to move on, um, and I think it certainly is possible, you know what? You hope that he's talked enough to guys like Chris Partridge and Clinkscale and and uh, Mike Elston that you've got your next hire in staff um, because on staff because you don't want to go out and change defenses. You know the terminology. I cannot stress enough how consistency is key, guys, to success at this level. And if you're changing coaches and changing philosophies and things like that year after year after year, you're never going to get to where you want to be. And we've seen that. So, um, yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, I agree. Or you just go get a guy from the Ravens on the defensive side. Uh, another one. Right. You, you kind of shoot your shot there. Uh, Sharon Moore, definitely opportunities are going to be there. You would think every offseason from here on out, as long as Michigan continues to have this success. And he, him kind of being a little bit picky there is, in my opinion, the smart move. I agree with you, Chris. And it reminds me a little bit of Brent Venables when he was at Clemson. Everyone's mm -hmm. like, what the heck is this guy's deal? Why doesn't he want to go and jump at this offer or that offer? But it's because he had such a great situation there. Uh, and then he finally goes back to Oklahoma where he coached for, you know, a decade and a half previously. And, you know, we'll see what he does now that they move to the SEC. It, you know, didn't have the best start. But, uh, you know, I think Lincoln Riley kind of, you know, really brought basically all the talent with him there to USC. But. I think it's going to be a similar situation there where he can get a pretty darn good job, even if that means he has to wait two, three more years. Um, you know, probably could have been a power five head coach this past offseason. So I think uh, that's a definite possibility for Sharon Moore. And then you got to mention, too, I think Jesse Minter could be a head coach at some point as well. And he probably can be picky, too. Uh, he's going to have that NFL uh, interest as well, though, you know, teams calling him like the Eagles did this offseason. So I think it's a possibility. I wouldn't bet on him losing both, but individually, uh, decent odds of those guys receiving interest and in going through the process. And then you kind of never know from there. Seems Jesse would be more of a, I want to be an a NFL DC or head coach kind of guy than a college guy. And I think we've kind of seen that, you know, same thing with Mike McDonald. We knew that was a one-year rental or two-year rental, right, before he was going to go back. So, and Minter seems like he's cut from the same cloth there. So, but both great young coaches. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I believe Minter did have some college interest too. I think Cincinnati at least made a phone call after Luke Fickle mm -hmm. left for Wisconsin. So, yeah, I mean, part of it too is that when you win, teams are going to want to pick from that tree. They want to, you know, they want a little bit of that winning Michigan flavor to build their programs out. And uh, you know, Brent Venables was a good example of of that. Like Clayton brought up, Kirby Smart was, you know, Nick Saban's uh, DC for a long time, and just it was another thing where why won't this guy take a job? And suddenly Georgia opens and now they are what they are. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. It's just, you know, I think something that Harbaugh has done a really nice job of um, in the last few years is you kind of build a line of succession there where, you know, you you're sitting there and, and you know, eventually Sharon Moore is going to be a head coach. Well, guess what? I bet you they just slide Grant Newsom over to the offensive line coach or, you know, things like that. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, 
because maybe he gets an opportunity to go somewhere and be a coordinator or something like that. It's just, you know, they've given themselves options there and, you know, it kind of helps cushion that blow when you do lose some of those guys. So uh, we'll take a couple more here. Maybe. Is that a raccoon behind me? What's that? Behind you? Is there something behind you? I sure is. Well, is everything all right over there, Chris? Be I careful. So. Yeah, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that is a good place to stop. Maybe, yeah, uh, I think so. Call animal control. But uh, yeah, yeah. well, it's kind of run dry here on questions uh, from the board. What about this one? Uh, I got one. Real quick. West Coast Wolverine wonders, what's the spiciest food you've ever eaten? Ooh. Uh, reminds me of a Saturday Night Live skit. Dana Carver. Rita Marino. <laughs> Look it up. Someone out there will get that one. It'll, yeah, it'll go right over your heads, but that's for you old timers. So there you have um, it. I, I'm not a hot, you know, I'm not a, a spicy food person in general, but mm-hmm. I got to be honest. I mean, that, that shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's was mm-hmm. among, and then I got some of it in my eye because um, I was a rookie and rubbed my eyes afterwards. That was that was brutal. I, I look forward to reliving that experience because it means we're back in Indy. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a lot. What do I'm going to go with uh, CB. Do you remember a place? It was only a few years. It was open at Quaker steak and lube in Grand Rapids, like a wing place. Wing slash um, oil, wing slash oil change. Yeah. It's basically like after that, like the logo's the same yeah. and their hottest wings. I just ordered the sauce just to try it. It was so hot. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. go with that. There you have it. All right. Well, uh, spicy food, spicy takes. We'll close them out here. Uh, guys, thank you so much for watching here on a Monday night. Be sure to like, and subscribe. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, uh, be sure to, uh, to head on over to the Wolverine.com. Take advantage of the, uh, the promotion we're currently running. $30 will get you six months of access over on our website. A lot of great premium stuff coming out every day. And, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of people have been taking advantage of that. And, we're so, so grateful for that. So appreciate you guys. Uh, leave us a kind review wherever you get your your podcast, your shows at, uh, and all of that type of stuff. Be sure to uh, pre-order also the Michigan football preview, uh, which is the heavy lifting has already started, but this week it really kicks into high gear for all of us here. Uh, Going to be a, a, marathon, a marathon over the next couple of weeks for us. Uh, head on over. Uh, you know, we'll put the link down in the description below, but uh, right now, you can pre-order it for, I believe, eighteen ninety-five plus free shipping through June nineteenth. So, want to move all of as many of those as we can, and want to put that opportunity out to you guys uh, to help us do that. So, uh, check out the Michigan football preview. It'll be out sometime. Uh, I believe last year it shipped around early to mid-July. So, uh, there is no more comprehensive Michigan football preseason coverage than that. I mean, one hundred sixty full-color uh, pages, a ton of analysis, predictions deep dives on every position group. Chris Ballas already, uh, you know, had teased some of the feature stories coming. So excited for you guys to check that out as well. But for Chris Ballas, for Clayton Safey, I'm Anthony Broom. Thanks so much for checking us out here on a Monday night, and we will talk to you again soon.